turn your Bibles to two passages, Luke chapter 10, if you will, and Mark chapter 10. Um, I wanted to read just a couple of things with you. This is when Jesus sent his disciples out by two. He actually sent about 70 of them out into the surrounding areas to go and to preach the kingdom of God. He gave them authority to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to, to do all of these wonderful things. And so they went forth in that authority, and that's exactly what they did. They healed the sick. They cast out devils. They were so excited. And then after their mission trip, they all gather back around Jesus, and they're just so excited, you know, much like a lot of us are when we return from a mission trip. We say, man, all these people got saved. These got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and we saw healings and miracles and devils cast out of people. Isn't that wonderful that that testimony is still happening today? And I tell you, just think, for example, I'll just say this about Ben. We were praying for his grandmother. The doctors said she had a stroke and that she was unresponsive and that she was declining rapidly. And we thought she might pass away, right? Well, now they said she didn't have a stroke. They didn't know what she had. And she's doing better. Praise God. So we prayed for that Sunday night. Just just a miracle. You know, you, you just got to acknowledge the hand of God. We've got to encourage each other's faith. And so I thank the Lord for that miracle. So these disciples come back to Jesus and they're so excited and they're telling Jesus everything that happened as though Jesus doubted that it would happen, you know. So they're so excited and and pick up in verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. That that's really amazing. That that is that is that really is exciting just to know, wow, we had all of this authority and that when we spoke in your name, the devils were obeying us, you know. And, and so Jesus begins to say, look, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. You know, this is, this is, uh, there is authority that we have over the devils. And I've heard it said in a lot of ways, and I, I do not discount this, that maybe Jesus was kind of dealing with some of the pride he might have been seeing in the disciples. Perhaps he was dealing with some of that. Um, but nonetheless, he said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. And he said this, this is beautiful. Behold, I give to you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And that's an incredible promise, isn't it? I give you power over all of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that is the reason that we're supposed to rejoice. And I titled this message tonight, When the Devils Don't Listen to You. When the Devils Don't Listen. And so I wanted to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about your joy. And I wanted to talk a few minutes about the reality of spiritual warfare. And when we read this passage of scripture and we hear what Jesus said, behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. All right. What is he talking about? Because what Christian lived their life in this world who was not hurt? What Christian lived in such a way, in victory, in power, in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that did not get hit by satanic activity and even suffer a blow from that? 
The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 that he was pressed in on every side. Talks about being afflicted. Talks about being pressed upon. Talks about being knocked down. So what is Jesus talking about when he says nothing shall by any means hurt you and also about joy? And so I was looking what this, uh, what it means, hurt you means this. This is the word hurt. It means to be unjust. Well, I think a lot of Christians have suffered injustice, right? It means to be unjust. It means to actively do wrong, whether it is moral, social, or physical. Has there ever been Christians who have lived over the last 2,000 years who have not suffered physically? And then Jesus says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Has there not been Christians who have suffered morally or socially? Did Christians not suffer under Hitler? What is Jesus talking about? What is victory? Jordan was singing prophetically tonight. I don't know if y'all noticed that, but it's powerful, you know. Just singing prophetically. And one of the things that she was singing in, in, in the spirit was just how the victory might not look like you think it's supposed to look like. And the word hurt also means this, to injure, to be an offender. How many of you Christians ever been offended? Even for your faith in Jesus Christ. And it, so it means to suffer, to, to, to go through wrong, to be mistreated, to be abused, to suffer injustice, to be ridiculed, mocked, whatever it might be, whether it's morally, socially, spiritually, physically, whatever it might be. And so when you read what Jesus said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. And then I look around the room and would ask, you know, stand up if you've never been hurt. I, I may be an infant, but that they get slapped when they're born. So, I mean, what does Jesus mean when he says that? And what is our joy? And maybe if we don't understand this properly, we won't have a lot of joy in life. Because we don't really understand what is going on in our life and, and what should be going on in our life. And so I want you to read this with me in Mark chapter 10. And here's a passage of scripture that I really thought was just interesting. It's, it's just the attitude of the disciples and the attitude of Jesus. This is coming towards the end of Jesus' life and he's prophesying about his death. And he's prophesying about what people are going to do to him. And instead of Jesus kind of lagging behind and, and maybe being timid about this and trying to drag it out and I don't want to hurry up to my death... It seems like he's very, you know, excited about it, if you will. And he, he even gets a pickup in his step and he's outpacing the disciples. He's like, he's a man on a mission. And it startles the disciples. This is found, if you will, in verse 32. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. So he was before them. They're going up to Jerusalem. They're in amazement. And those that are following him, the amazement. And there's also fear. They're afraid. They're scared of something. And he took again the 12 and began to tell them what things should happen to him. Now remember what Jesus said. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. And so Jesus says, behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priest and to the scribes. And they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. They will mock him. 
They will whip him and beat him. They will spit on him and they will kill him. And the third day he will rise again. And so when Jesus is talking to these disciples who come back from their missionary trip, all excited about the victory that they had, the authority they had through Jesus Christ, Jesus doesn't take that joy away from them. He just directs it properly where it needs to be settled in. And Jesus affirms to them, listen, it's true that the devils do obey you in the authority that I give you. And I want you to understand something else. That wasn't a passing thing. That authority that I gave you was not for a two-week mission trip that I sent you on or for 10 days. But actually, I want you to understand and take note of this, that I give you power over all of the enemy to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That is a valid promise that Jesus Christ gives to his church. And I believe that it is important that we walk in that, that we don't doubt that, that we don't despair of that. But the Bible also tells us that we fight against principalities and powers. We fight against darkness. We wrestle against these things. And so I ask you this in regards to what Jesus said, that nothing shall by any means hurt you. What about a cross that Jesus was about to experience? What about an upside down crucifixion that Peter would go through? What about some of the apostles who would be pierced through with swords? What about Christians who would be exiled throughout the Roman Empire? What about Christians who would be wrapped in animal skins and placed in Nero's garden and lit on fire at night? What about the Christians who would be turned out into the, into the arena and they would turn the lions upon them and the lions would devour them in front of thousands of people who were celebrating their deaths? What about the Ukrainian Christians today? Who've lost their homes and lost their churches and, and maybe they're going to lose their nation and maybe they lost family members in this conflict. How do you, how do you go up to these Ukrainian Christians today and open up the Bible and say, nothing shall by any means hurt you? And they look at you and say, what are you talking about? Nothing shall by any means hurt me. I am suffering here. And it's a wonderful thing that you can point to practically every Christian that has ever lived and says they've suffered as well. Even our head, Jesus Christ, has suffered. He's been mocked and he's been beaten, he's been whipped and he's been spit on and he's been crucified himself and he literally died. And praise God, he rose again from the dead. And so we understand what the suffering is and the pain is. But when Jesus says, nothing shall by any means hurt you, you have to ask these questions. What about Christians that are suffering? What about Christians that were persecuted? What about Christians that have chronic illness? What about the spouses of those Christians who have chronic illness? What about Christians who are dealing with terminal illness in their life? What about Christians who are dealing with diseases in their life and they're listening to testimonies of somebody over here being healed and they're still dealing with the suffering and the affliction in their life wondering, why am I not being healed? Why is this afflicting me? Has God forgotten me? What is going on with my life? And to be honest with you, I don't know the answers to those things, but I have an answer but I don't really know the answer, but I can give you an answer. And I believe that answer is found in Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about mighty men and women of faith 
And through faith they prevailed. And through faith there were those women who received their dead raised back to life again. And there were some men and women who by faith overwhelmed their enemies. Some people by faith even turned entire enemies and armies into retreat from attacking them. There were people of faith who received healings. People of faith who received miracles. And the book of Hebrews chapter 11 says, And also there were those who were people of faith who refused to recant of their faith in Jesus Christ. And they were tortured. And they were persecuted. And they were killed. And they were sawn in two. And their families were separated. And the world was not worthy of them. They were no less people of faith. The same faith that others experienced, these divine interventions and miracles, other Christians didn't experience those kinds of divine interventions and miracles. They experienced horrific torment and persecution and calamity in their life. And the Bible says very clearly in Hebrews chapter 11 that the ones who suffered did not lack faith. But as a matter of fact, it was their faith that caused them to endure that suffering for the glory of God and for the joy of eternal life. And so those that experienced the miracles had faith, but no more than those who suffered from the calamities of life. And so I say that to you tonight, that if you're basing your joy on the fact that devils listen to you, If you're basing your joy tonight on the fact that you get everything you ask from God, the way that you want it, when you want it, if you base the joy of your life upon the fact that you get to the experience a miracle, and it is based upon that miracle that I'm going to be happy, then you are setting yourself up for a grave disappointment and you will even turn that possibly into anger towards God and resentment towards God as though God loves some of his children more than he loves you, which is absolutely false. Because God does not have a preference over his children. He loves all of us. And it is true that we don't oftentimes understand the the calamities that we are facing and dealing with in life. And it is true. And you don't have to hide it. And that's the wonderful thing about church or a true church and true church life. That some of you that are believing God for miracles in your life. And you hear of somebody receiving a miracle in their life. And instead of it causing you to rejoice, it's like a punch in the gut. Well, you can be real with your family. You can be able to say to your family, I'm so glad for them, but it hurts me so badly to hear that. It hurts me because I wonder when is God going to do that for me? I wish God would take this away from me. I wish God would help me and then I would be happy. And I believe that's what Jesus is cutting at. He's trying to get to the disciples to be able to tell them this. Said, listen, some of the devils didn't listen to God. And sometimes the devils are going to rebel against you. And sometimes you're going to contend with devils and you're going to fight devils and you're going to wrestle with devils. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that. I know Paul and Silas, when they were chained to the prisons, began to sing and praise the Lord. And God gave an earthquake and their chains fell off of them. And there was a revival in the prison. I I rejoice in that. And through praise, they overcame those devils, right? But wasn't it a demon-possessed man who took Paul's head off? 
And wasn't it a demon-possessed man who came against Peter and James and John? And wasn't Domitian, one of the Roman emperors, so full of the devil that he persecuted the Christians? And they literally, if you will, suffered at his hand. And so when we read the words of Jesus, it is imperative for us to try to understand by the Spirit of God, what is Jesus trying to tell us so that we have true, lasting, tangible joy in our life. And it's not conditioned on the fact that the devils listen to us. And it's not necessarily conditioned on the fact that our, our miracles come when we ask for them to come in the way we want them to come. But I can assure you in this, God will never forsake you or abandon you. And if the devils don't listen to you, they're going to answer to God. I understand this fully. I have, I have dealt with this almost all of my life. And I, I've, I've had this. I, I don't like to wrestle with demons. I don't, I don't like that. I don't see in the Bible where the apostles or Jesus would wrestle for hours with demons until the demons would come out. I don't find that. I see Jesus speaking with authority and the devils obey. And I don't see accounts in the Bible where the apostles are laying down with eight people on top of somebody demon-possessed trying to cast the devil out for four or five hours. Is the devil that strong? Is he that much greater than the Holy Ghost? I don't believe that. I've dealt with a lot of demon possessions. I've dealt with a lot of people standing face to face with me, manifesting the devil, telling me how they're going to kill me, telling me things about the life, everything else. Their eyes are changed. Their voices changed. Veins are popping out. And you just know this is a devil that I'm talking to right now. And you begin to command that devil and they leave. And I say, I did not give you permission to leave. And they walk out and they leave. Few minutes later, this has happened to me about six or seven times. Few minutes later, that man or that woman comes back into the room and stands in front of me and says, I was not given permission to leave. I had to come back and report to me. Wow, there's authority there. And it is God who exercises that authority through our life. And we have to believe in that. We have to believe in the authority that God has given us. And my joy is not conditioned in the way devils behave. My joy is conditioned in the way God moves and acts and loves me. And that I can reckon upon God and I can rely upon God. And I can understand the faithfulness of God and my relationship with God. That nothing can ever separate it or, or cause me to be disjointed from him. But I am his now and I am his forever. And I rejoice that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm saved and I'm going to live with Jesus forever and my sins are washed away and I'm a child of God adopted into his family and he is my father. That is my joy. That is my happiness. Now, don't don't think for one moment that we should let devils get away with anything. We should not. We are the ones with authority in this earth and we need to exercise that authority in the name of Jesus Christ. But I just want you to understand there, there is a very real conflict. And so what does Jesus mean when he says nothing shall by any means hurt you when we have certainly seen Christians suffer and believers suffer and believers suffer persecution? One of the questions I would ask is this or the, one of the questions that I do ask is what does Jesus mean by the you? Nothing shall by any means hurt you. What does he mean by that? Maybe he's talking about my new man, my new life. 
and not this flesh. I'm just supposing that. I, I, I really can't just say that with all kinds of authority right now. But I do know that I have a new man in Christ. And that new man is created by the Lord and it is birthed by God in this new life and this new man. It cannot be hurt by devils and it cannot be hurt by affliction and it cannot be hurt by abuse. But my flesh can be, but my flesh is dead. My flesh is crucified with Jesus. So somebody spits on me. Did it hurt me? No. If I was to be persecuted, if this body were to get a disease in it, has it hurt me? No, because I am created in the image of God and I have the life of God in me and I'm a new man in Christ and that new man never gets sick and that new man can never suffer from a devil's attack. But what does that mean to people who are not aware of their new life in Jesus Christ? They just put on religion and they have no understanding of that. And so I want us to understand that our joy is in the Lord. I want to read a few other scriptures with you, if you will. Philippians chapter 1. And I want you to see this. It, it, to me, it's just a beautiful testimony. And, and perhaps even just kind of t- attaching ourselves to what Jesus said about nothing shall by any means hurt you. Just look how Paul interpreted that. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 28, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition. If you're not scared of your enemies, if you're not scared of the devil, it terrifies him. But if you're scared of him, he feeds on it. But to you, it speaks of salvation And that of God. Now listen to this. This is beautiful. Just read this. This is a supernatural understanding. This has to be a revelation of fellowship with God. But verse 29. For unto you. It is given in the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him. But also to suffer for his sake. When I read this passage right there in verse 29. I don't know. I just think this. You should be jealous of my sufferings for Christ. It's not hurting me. You should be jealous of that. Because the Apostle Paul is saying this. This is something that is given to me on behalf of Christ. This is a privilege. It's a privilege in the same way belief is a privilege. I have the opportunity not only to believe on Jesus. But also to suffer for his sake. And if I look at suffering like that. And if I look at hardship like that or persecution like that, it changes my perspective from, God, what are you doing to me to thank you, Lord? Because I'm chosen, I'm not a victim. And that changes everything. Because now you're not hurting me, but God's going to do something through this that hurts you. I'm talking about my enemies. God's going to do something that hurts you. But if I let it hurt me, And if I take it personally, then I'm going to hinder what God wants to do through my life. And my my natural response is to take it personally. It's not my natural response to go to verse 29 and say, praise God, the suffering is now going on. This is so wonderful. That's not my response. And he says, in having the same conflict, which you saw in me and now here to be in me. So they saw this conflict in Paul. And now they hear that it's even going on in him now. 
The comfort that Paul received was the fellowship and the unity of the church. That was the real suffering that he had a hard time dealing with. He says that in Corinthians. He said, of all the things that I suffered, the whippings, the beatings, the hunger, the sleepless nights, the floating in the oceans, all of this, none of that compares to how well or how bad the church is doing. That's what keeps me awake at night, Paul would say. And then I want you to read this with me in 2 Timothy. This is a little bit more personal. This is his letter to his son in the faith. In 2 Timothy 1, Paul says this in verse 8. Because a lot of people were ashamed of Paul because he suffered so greatly. All the apostles did. And he says in in verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. That's how you do it. If you're going to suffer like Paul did, like Jesus did, if if you're going to, in your life as a Christian, have conflict with with Satan and with the devil and with things that are sin against your life with the intention of hurting you, Beloved, you're going to have to have the power of God. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not some sweet little thing you get in an altar so you can speak in tongues. And it is a shame and it is sad how many Christians are not living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the power of God. And therefore, they do not know the victory and the triumph that comes through suffering. Because they do not know how to operate in the power of God. And so when the Bible tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, gives us the opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I see young people today in the world that they're facing and God help them if they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God help parents who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit because you're not going to have the wisdom or the discernment to know how the devil's attacking your children. How do you walk in the power of God through this suffering? And so Paul's telling Timothy to do it in regards to this way. And then he tells him in verse 12, he says this, for which, for the which, it's talking about the gospel. And he says, for, for which cause I also suffer these things. That's why I'm suffering. It's for the, for the gospel. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Hold that fast. And then I want you to go to chapter 2. And I want you to see this in verse 9. Wherein I suffer trouble. As an evildoer. That's what they say. They say I'm evil. And my suffering. Because they claim that I'm evil. Is even imprisonment. Chains and bondage. So here's Paul. Obviously he's a believer. Right? He's a Christian. Right? That's not a trick question. Is Paul a Christian? Thank you. He really is. He really went to heaven, I believe, you know. So here's this believer. And he's an apostle. And he certainly has all power over all of the enemy. And certainly he could claim nothing shall by any means hurt me. And he says, I'm in bonds. I'm imprisoned. I'm afflicted. 
Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. And when I, when I look at this and I read it, I just, I just wanted to give you three things that I want to bring out that I get from the scriptures that should motivate me in regards to suffering and affliction. And it would be very possible for me to look at other Christians who are experiencing what I would consider good things from God. Maybe they're experiencing answers to prayer. Maybe they're experiencing miracles in their life. And perhaps I'm not. But it tells me this, that my joy does not have to be any less than theirs. Now, I might have to deal with some things in my heart. But thank God I have the Lord to be able to deal with that. And thank God I have a church body that I can lay myself down before and say, I'm really hurting. I'm really jealous of them. I, I'm just really confused why God's helping them and he's not helping. And, and I, can, I can throw all of that out to, the, to my body of Christ, this church, because I know that you love me and we love one another. And I don't have to walk around and pretend, oh, good for you. I can't stand that. But I can say, no, that really hurt. I'm having trouble here. I'm having trouble believing God. I'm having trouble with the Lord. Thank God we can tell people that. And I believe when people are honest like that, then they're going to get help from God. You're not impugning God. You just don't understand. And God would love the opportunity to tell you why and explain that to you or to comfort you. However he wants to answer, he will. He will answer it. And so I just thank the Lord that regardless of what blessing I might get, or what suffering I might get. And I'm putting quotations around that. Because now I understand suffering is a blessing. I get to. I get to suffer for Jesus Christ. And my joy is not conditioned on the fact that I don't suffer. But as a matter of fact. When I look at Jesus. And I look at the apostles. And I look at the people that really transformed human society. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was not from those who lived an easy life. It was not from those who lived a life well protected and well safe and were never acquainted with suffering, rejection, reproach, abuse, mockery. But they were the ones that went through the fire more than anybody went through the fire. And they come out of it as they walked into it rejoicing in God, thanking you, God. Because here's, here's to me the clincher. It is this. I am never, as a child of God, as one adopted into his house... With the Holy Spirit living in me, I know this. I do know this. With all of my might, I know this. I am never, never at the mercy of devils. Never. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if, if I think devils are listening to me or not. And you know what I'm talking about, especially if you've got a teenager. Whether they're listening to me or not. I, that, I know this, that no devil has authority over me or power over me or the ability to stop what God wants to do in my life. So if I have to fight it, I'm chosen to fight it for the glory of God. 
And my joy is my union with my heavenly Father through Jesus Christ that can never be severed, never be broken. Nothing can separate me from him. Therefore, I declare I am an overcomer through Jesus Christ. Now, that's what I know. That's what I know if I'm blessed with, with no problem in my life or that's if I'm blessed with a multitude of problems in my life. That means if I go in the rapture blessed or if I die of cancer, I'm blessed because I'm born again and living with Jesus forever and don't threaten me with heaven because I want to go. And so I know that. But I also know this. That God is allowing me to go into a situation where he is going to demolish strongholds of the devil through my suffering. God is going to expose the devil's weakness and it is going to further the gospel of Jesus Christ and it is going to cause people to be able to see the Lord in my life in a way they would have never been able to see him before had I not suffered. I was with Billy and Rose this morning. And they begin to suffer from this Parkinson's. Say they because she's carrying him through this. And Billy's suffering from this Parkinson's. And you know what? He could, he could lay in bed and just be depressed. And be down. And just, but it's turned into ministry. He is now, and Rose, they are now ministering to others that are suffering with Parkinson's and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. They're in community groups with those that are suffering. And he would have never entered that world had this not come upon him. Now, did God fail him because he's suffering from Parkinson's? Absolutely not. But there's a world of people that would never go to church, and the church is going to them. When I look at Jennifer... And I, and I consider all the weight that is upon her. And we understand the suffering that James has gone through. Not feeling well. Not even here to be at, at night. I see him less and less at night. Because it, it, as the day goes on, it gets worse for him. And I watch that man suffering with his sickness. And he goes and he sits in this chair. And he leads us in worship. Here's a man in pain. Here's a man probably doesn't know if he can get out of the bed that morning, but he wants to go and he wants to get up there and put me a chair up there. And Jackie's up here in the early morning. She's setting a chair up for James. And every time she does it, and I watch that chair just sit there, I said, oh, God, if that man can get to church and sit in this chair and praise us, then how in the world can I just come to church griping and complaining about what's going on with my life and sit in a pew as though God is dead? I'm going to get in that altar. I see that man there, and I'm going to encourage him because he's encouraging me, and I'm going to praise God with all of my might. And I'd say James and Jennifer have changed my life. They have changed my faith. I, I see Wesley. I see Wesley taking his siblings and getting them to church every single service. Being a parent to them. Encouraging. He's fighting his own battles. But you inspire me. You encourage me. Because you're going through battles and you're going through... But God's doing a work through your life. And it's beautiful to see. And I watch Christians who are going through suffering with faith. And with hope in Jesus Christ. And they're furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're inspiring other people's faith. 
And of course, there are Christians who go through suffering and they're victims of it. And you, you can smell the smoke on them. You can look at it. You can look at the suffering on them. They've been beat down. They're worn out. They're overcome. They're overwhelmed. They're saddened to the core and all of this. And, and they don't have to be. They don't have to, if they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in their life, then God would bring them out. It doesn't mean they won't face it. It doesn't mean, because I know I face it. And I know Wesley faces it. And I know Jennifer faces it. And I, and I know Billy and Rose face it. We all, but you, there's a victory. There's a victory in it. That's the power God gives us. Behold, I give you power over all the enemy. What does the power of the enemy want to do to you? With your trouble, with your adversity, your persecution, your sickness. What does the devil want to do to you with that? Are you letting him do it? Or what does God want to do with that? And are you letting him do that? I give you power over the enemy. For years of my life, approximately 13 years, I had arthritis all through my body. I weighed 300 pounds. I could hardly move. I would walk and it felt like I was walking on knives. My back was racked with pain. I couldn't sleep more than two hours a night. God was opening up doors for me to travel all over the world with Pastor Clendenin and the School of Christ and preach conventions and all through Europe and South America and the Pacific and, we were, and, and all of these things. I, could, I couldn't get out of bed. And you go fly on an airplane and you sit in a seat for 14 hours and then you got to get up and walk. And everybody's pushing you and hurrying you out. You can hardly take a step because you're in excruciating pain. And I don't want to do it. But I knew that enemy. And that enemy didn't want me to do it. And so I, I, I just, one morning, one day with God, I just came to a decision. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. I will not let sickness tell me what I can or cannot do. You will tell me that. You will direct my path. I will not give power to my sickness. And if you want me to travel to other places in this world, racked with pain in my body, not able to sleep at night, extremely uncomfortable, then God, I will do it for you. You have to be my strength and my portion. And he was. For 13 years he was. And after that, one morning, I slept 12 hours and woke up with no pain in my body. And that was over a dozen years ago. But I, he gave me power over the enemy. And it didn't hurt me. It furthered the gospel. And the last thing I'll say about this is this. Paul said that my suffering was for your sake. It was for the church's sake. And when I can experience whatever it is that's going on in my life and be able to say, God, I want to walk through this in your power and in your grace. And I want my life and my suffering to benefit the body of Christ in some way. That is up to you how it happens. But I want you to benefit the body of Christ through my life. Then it is not in vain. My daughter was prophesying in that song. And she said, Lord, something like this. If I had to walk it all over again to get to Jesus, I'd do it. And I know how she's walked. And I think, my God, she's benefited the body of Christ. 
He's blessed the body of Christ. Job was not forsaken by God. He was chosen. And that one man, 6,000 years ago, has left a legacy for humanity. That if a devil comes near me, he had to have permission from my God. And if my God gave him the permission, it's because my God gave me the power to rob him. Not for him to rob me. And Job suffered some horrible things. I don't understand all of it. But I do know this. God was able to say to all of humanity in the person of Job, there is a man down there who loves me for who I am, not because of what I give him. But he loves me for me. So I say this to all of you tonight. If you're in suffering, you're in trials, you're in confusion, let's give it a few minutes. And in the context of a few minutes and eternity, let's see how beautiful your suffering actually was. And how you're thankful that God chose you to bear something for his sake. And walk with it in joy because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that's your joy. An unfailing God is in your life. I want you to stand with me and I just wanted to invite you to this. Now, if you will, I just wanted to invite you to this because I believe the Lord loves it when we're honest. We're just honest with him. And if some of you are here tonight and you're just dealing, you're hurting, you're, you're wondering, where is God? What, what is he doing in my life? This is really hard. This is really painful. You can, you can confess that to God. You don't need to bottle that up. The psalmist even prayed that way. You need to let that out. You need to let your complaint out to God. That's not murmuring. But let that out. But listen, please. Let God respond. Let him give you the Holy Spirit tonight. Let God give you his power. So that you can overcome. The things that the enemy wants to do to your life. I don't know how God does it. It's not the same for the same or different people. It's however God wants to do it, but he does it. So tonight, can we just open this altar up? And if you're in that place of suffering tonight, I pray that it will be turned into a place of joy and a place of power and a place of understanding.